Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. Seeking the truth, exposing the lies. Remember, together, we are unstoppable. Keep on digging. In this episode, I talk with Travis, also known as Thunder Monkey, on the Stereo app. We discuss the new alliance between China, Russia, and India, and the possible collapse of the dollar. Stay tuned and put on your seatbelt. This is going to be a good one. Super excited for this talk. Me too, me too. Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Good to see everybody. Good to be here. Good to be breathing and happy to be talking with my friend Travis about what I think is some pretty important stuff. Uh, there, you know, the America has been, I mean, you know, whatever, I don't hate this country, but there's a lot of room for improvement, right? So there's some uh, new news down the pipeline. Get to that in a moment. But this country has been in decline basically uh, since the 70s. You know, uh, wages have stagnated. Uh, corporate profit has gone through the roof. CEA, CEO pay has gone through the roof. So we're going to get into all this, uh, but I would like to just introduce ourselves first. My name is Dave Smith. And another thing with Dave, I do a podcast on all podcast platforms in 46 countries now, and uh, we're happy to have you here. Travis? Glad to be with you, you, Dave. Glad to be with you, Dave. Uh, yeah, pretty much uh, everything you'll hear me talk about is uh, how politics is downstream of culture, cultural is down, and unfortunately, the individual is stuck living in an incredibly political world right now. So uh, I break down all those things on my uh, talks here on Stereo. You can find me on Getter, or you can uh, just simply follow me here on Stereo. I'll be branching out to other media forms soon. Glad to be with you, Dave, and uh, doing this talk today. Absolutely. I'm pretty excited for it. And what spurred on the idea for me was I was watching, you know, I was going down the YouTube rabbit hole <laughs> and um, there's this woman, Kim Iverson, that I've been watching on YouTube for quite a while. She was just an independent, uh, had an independent show bringing, bringing like news on the reel. And then she got picked up by The Hill uh, because obviously she was doing some great work. And now she's on the Hill, so you can check her out there. She's the left-leaning voice or the voice of reason on the Hill. Uh, they got Ryan Grimm, too, as, you know, like your co corporate uh, <laughs> uh, voice, I guess. But, um, yeah, so I was watching this program, and it was uh, called uh, World Hegemony, a new um, – uh, anyway, World Hegemony. And uh, basically what's going on is China, Russia, and India – have announced that they are forming an alliance called the sides and they specified that this would be a new world order tracked me up that they used george bush's terminology but what they're seeking to do is form what they've done is form a military and trade alliance and basically they're not going to be pushed around anymore um they're thinking about uh well they've negotiated with Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia may soon start selling oil in the yen. And I'm not sure if people are aware, but we've got this thing called the petrodollar that we established, I believe, right after World War II, which is a an agreement with Saudi Arabia that they would only sell oil in dollars. So anybody has to say you're in Italy, you have to exchange your currency for American dollars to then buy Saudi Arabian oil, right? So that props up our economy in a huge way, because as you all know, we don't really have a manufacturing sector anymore. 
we seem to have, you know, uh, uh, low skill jobs, service jobs, and then professional jobs. And that that middle ground is rapidly disappearing. Uh, I also heard that Elon Musk plans to roll out automated cars within five years, and that will then eliminate all driving jobs. 50% of non-skilled labor are driving jobs. So we're looking at an absolute sea change. And, you know, I don't want this country to turn into a third world country, at least while I'm in it, but this has been a long time coming and we haven't done anything to prevent it. So that's kind of a summary of, of where I stand on it. What do you got, Trav? Yeah, so I uh, watched the link you sent me and immediately the first two things uh, that came to my mind when I heard this, this sounds like two things, uh, Cassius Belly uh, and uh, Cassius, I've never heard the word, I've only ever read it, uh, Fodorus. We've pretty much calling for uh, an unusual alliance. Naturally, China and Russia um, wouldn't naturally be allies. In fact, um, we, we could have very well given Russia a reason to stand against China, side up more with us. I mean, if you think about it before, as soon as we started going after ISIS hard and obliterating them, they kind of were like, okay, and backing off. They weren't making really much uh, aggression on uh, anything. You know, we gave them uh, access to be able to do more oil trade, um, still had to do it in petrodollar. Uh, now we've kind of dropped all over it. And I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, I might have the date off by a few days here. Uh, February 4th, I believe was the day that... Uh, they put this little memo out, and then what do you know it? February 24th, uh, the, well, I shouldn't say the invasion began, but the continuation of the invasion of Ukraine began. And uh, it, you've seen China standing back, being awfully quiet, but still trying to play both sides, be extra supportive of it. Um, I think this paper shows us everything we need to know about what's going on. My theory has, uh, I believe I mentioned it on our last show together, Dave, was simply that uh, China is pretty much waiting for a time in April when seems to be able to get over to Taiwan, uh, slow down to be able to give them uh, a chance to go and get, quote unquote, the reunification of uh, China and consume Taiwan. And uh, you look at uh, other countries that aren't really listening to, such as North Korea, which is pretty much you know, upheld by the strong, mighty hand of China at that point. Um, they, they don't really have any too many other allies. North Korea wants to reunify its peninsula. And um, as far as uh, materials and precious metals and actual chip inhibitors, um, the largest supply is in Taiwan. The second largest is over in South Korea. Yeah, I, I see this spiraling out of just being these three countries. But you you look at this and it, it's not looking too good. India could easily provide the cheap labor as uh, China's costs are continuing to spiral out of control. But it sounds like they already knew that what our response would be. They know us better than what we know uh, them to be. So I'm a little uh, uneasy on that. It seems like they pretty much they did their homework and our country has been asleep at the wheel. What do you got? Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, there's a few things to touch on there. You, as far as ISIS goes, not a lot of people are aware that we were actually supporting ISIS to fight against the Assad you know, government. We called it a regime. I guess whenever we don't like a government, we call it a regime. So 
to fight against the uh, Assad regime, we were backing ISIS, which was the big bad boogeyman that we created. Let's roll it back a little bit. How did ISIS get created? It's the military officers and the police officers of Iraq that were fed up with us coming to their country, disbanding both of those branches of government, throwing their country into chaos. So those people, you know, they became the quote unquote insurgents, right? All of a sudden you're laid off from your job and you're watching your country go to hell. So uh, give me one second. Sorry, I had to cough right yeah. there. But um, so that's the basis of ISIS. Now, how did it blow up like it did? Well, when we left Iraq, we literally left all of our weapons and vehicles there with the keys in them. What could go wrong, right? The, the official uh, military explanation for that was that, oh, well, it's going to cost too much to ship them home. We have no problem paying to ship them there, right? But we don't want to ship them home. Okay, so following that logic, if that is the train of thought, why wouldn't you put them all in one massive pile and drop a bomb on them, eliminating the possibility for anybody to utilize those vehicles and weapons? If you remember, all the footage we were seeing on TV was ISIS in these like brand new military Toyota pickup trucks and stuff. And, you know, with U.S. hard, heavy duty military equipment. I mean, we left, you know, howitzers or whatever, these giant uh, roll, you know, giant military weapons and guns. And it's just unbelievable. Um, and then the thing you were talking on about the alliance. Yeah, it is. It's going to include all of Indochina, Indonesia. The China is working on what is it? The Beltran initiative or whatever. They're basically built rebuilding Silk Road and building massive uh, high speed rail systems throughout that region to transport goods and services so in the back of my mind i'm thinking oh well we're probably going to go bomb those and make them unusable um and then touching on the labor aspect uh that china has announced that they're planning on getting labor from africa so i think i think india they're planning on helping bring india up and then looking to africa for cheap labor for all of those countries yeah, I think that's definitely uh, a case we should be looking at. And it's you pretty much the way the West has been fighting a lot of wars is by going and destabilizing other countries, by supporting uprising rebellions, uh, whether they already be ones that are there or planting and making our own there and handing it off as uh, somebody else's. I mean, that's basically how Al Qaeda got started. Uh, that's how ISIS got started. And if you look over in Ukraine, um, I got to be really careful. Uh, it's a shame that I have to be this careful on uh, how I approach this. So I'm going to gingerly dance around the word without saying it. But oh, thank you, Dave. Pretty much the U.S., uh, there's confirmation that we've been supporting certain groups that would identify themselves as much more uh, right-leaning um certain socialist nationalist um might be described as the word starts with an n i'll let you all figure that out but i know stereo is a little band happy as soon as you even so much mention the word even if it's in an appropriate context but so you look at that um that's probably where we're gonna get bitten our rear end in about 40 to 60 years down the road here now that we've been arming them and you look at uh what Belinsky. I believe is how you say his last name is uh, president of Ukraine. Um, first off, big Second Amendment guy. I believe everyone has the right to defend themselves against uh, self-defense and against the uh, attack of their own nation. 
that's why I personally stand on it. So they were a little late to the game in dishing out weapons, but they literally were giving it out to anyone. You could walk up and go and just, they would say, yep, here's a rifle, uh, find out exactly what you want. But they have a lot of uh, anti-plane, uh, anti-tank uh, machinery that uh, random civilians have also been taking. So you look at that, you look at, we've been funding that certain group that we can't really uh, mention, but is rather prominent over in Ukraine. And uh, you look at the fact that uh, pretty much they're handing out weapons, massive, massive damaging weapons to anybody uh, that pretty much comes and says, hey, I like a weapon, and they just have to allege that they will defend. Um, there's been concerns already from people, uh, reporters that have been on the ground about um, uprising uh, warlords, crime lords, uh, pretty much causing a new mafia. But if you look, take that in conjunction with the group that we're currently funding right now over in Ukraine, um, it looks like we could very well be uh, having an old uh, enemy rear its uh, head real soon uh, within, I'd say, 30, 40, 60 years, somewhere like that. So that's something I would already be on the watch out for. Another thing I want to address also, um, we've talked about the petrodollar. It looks like uh, how we have here in the description, a one-two heavy punch to the petrodollar in the global American empire. In, we have... The yuan being, uh, at least in heavy talks with and high consideration of uh, becoming the new currency here for the petrodollar. And uh, China, I'm not China, Russia is making massive moves to buy up a bunch of valuable metals, gold, silver, um, trying to, I mean, the West isn't hanging on to them. So they're pulling it together. And there's been speculation. Uh, I've heard this on the blaze uh, with Glenn. Uh, that they're looking to be the new, uh, within the next uh, couple of years, the new gold standard. So you have the U.S. who got off the gold standard, uh, I believe it officially. We made moves in, I believe, 62 or 63, and it became uh, official in 65 uh, to be off the gold standard. So we don't not backed up by gold. We were backed up by oil up until all about a few months ago, or I should say about a year ago. And now uh, we we literally have nothing. Our uh, our allies and our enemies alike will be going to uh, have one of two uh, currencies, either the ruble or the yuan. So economically, this is in China's playbook. They would much rather fight a war economically than they would with soldiers. But they're gaining both abilities. And if you cripple the U.S. Uh, to the degree that it looks like this could do... Um, any sort of a, an offensive or defensive move from the U.S. would, it looks like, would be short-lived and pretty much in vain. So I personally am a little nervous, you know, born and raised in the 90s. Um, but now it's kind of like ever since I got to, for the first few months of my life, uh, watch the destruction of the USSR. No memories of it. I think I was like three months old. So, and uh, ever since then, it's pretty much all been downhill from there. So those were the best years of my life. It was a few, a few months old. And uh, the U.S. has just been rapidly, rapidly declining. So I don't know really how much longer we have. I'd like to have something to pass on to my kids, but I don't know, man. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's, you hit on so many points there. Um, I was born in 1967, the summer of love. And I've seen this country just gradually decline ever since. Um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that uh, as a result of the near revolution in the 60s, 
there were major changes made, uh, one of those being to stagnate employee wages so that people can't take you know, a week or two off and travel to Washington, D.C. in massive numbers to protest, right? It's no accident that, you know, a lot of Americans have two or three jobs. That is not by accident. It's no accident that we did away with free college education, right? These are not accidents. And same, it's not an accident that, that fuel prices are through the roof, you know? The companies are greedy, of course, but our government is letting that happen. With a signature, any president could put in place uh, an anti-price gouging um, initiative, right? Um, especially in the middle of a quote-unquote pandemic. So many, many things all in alignment, and it's a huge puzzle, right? But once you go down the rabbit hole, you start connecting these dots. And if you pull the lens back, you start to see a pretty consistent picture of where we're headed. And it does not look good. But like I said, this is not created overnight. This has been a long time coming, and our government has done absolutely nothing to stop it, which leads me to believe somebody is okay with this happening. Uh, speaking of the gold standard, yeah, what could go wrong, right? Now our, our, our money, after eliminating the gold standard, our money wasn't tied to anything. So literally monopoly money. The only thing that backs the dollar is your belief, our belief in the dollar, right? And then the petrodollar uh, after World War II or, you know, wherever, whenever that was signed into to being, that solidified oil as the thing that backed the dollar. But now what do we got, right? It's basically monopoly money. You know, the, the, a lot of people don't know, but during COVID, in the early days of COVID, the Federal Reserve pumped something like $4 trillion into the U.S. Company, economy just to prop it up. Well, that's money that's not based on anything. They're just printing paper. And then we can pull back the lens a little bit more. And you look at the origin of the Federal Reserve. A lot of people think it's a federal organization. It is not. It is an alliance of for-profit companies, banks, that, that formed a cabal, basically, and are in collusion to make money off of the U.S. Treasury, right? So why would we give, why couldn't the Treasury just print our money? Oh, no. The Federal Reserve has to print it, and then they loan it to the Treasury with 25% profit. So as soon as you get a dollar, it's only worth 75 cents, right? Like a penny now costs two cents to make. So this decline has been a long time coming. And like I said, no, nobody's A, talking about this in the government and B, doing anything about it. Another thing that, that blows my mind is, you know, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I've, I've gone third party with the People's Party. Urge everybody to check them out, www.peoplesparty.org. They don't take any corporate money and they're all about ending this two-party hegemony. But, um, you know, Oh man, I lost my train of thought. But the Kim Iverson show that I that sparked my thought here is um, Kim Iverson, China and Russia declare a new world order. And this was uh, posted on YouTube two weeks ago. Back to you, Travis. It's uh, it's extremely concerning. I want to also preface everything we're saying here. Uh, I'll probably mention this all throughout the show a couple of times just to make sure that none of us get in trouble. Since we're talking a lot about economics and money and stuff like that, I want to make sure everyone knows I am not a financial advisor. I'm not an economist. 
Uh, I am a guy with a big mouth and an app called Stereo who absolutely loves this thing. So that being said, you know, do your own research. You know, what we say is not gold, but neither is the U.S. dollar. You know, take what we say with a grain of salt, but I think pretty much Dave and I do a pretty good job of trying to back up all of our stuff with sources, reliable ones as well. Um, This is all just a lot of speculatory stuff at this point. Uh, That being said, I personally have been buying up silver at this point with the way things have been going. Uh, I've been getting it in regular ounces and I'm uh, about ready to uh, start buying things in about it comes in little 10th ounce coins because it's a little hard when everything goes to crap to just, you know, snap up a a one ounce coin. But uh, that's personally what me and my family's doing, along with just being a lot more self-reliant. We got some chickens on the way. We got tomatoes. And uh, vegetable plants we're getting ready to and trying to upgrade a bigger lot size and a bigger home here, being a little more self-reliant. Because, I mean, at this point, like you said, the U.S. dollar, it's all about how much faith you have in it. And really, when everyone sees how jobs can't be filled, when they see the supply chain crisis just cracking at the seams and can't, we still, that everybody stopped talking about it, but that still has not been resolved. Over out, out towards where you live over in uh, Cali out there, I understand uh, the ports. The big thing about that is if there's like one stuck out there, it's all hands on deck. We have an emergency. There's hundreds of them. And it's been like that all throughout 2021 in through this year in 2022. I've seen videos where it sounds like freaking gunshots going out. Turns out it's not. It's just that there's, you know, giant crates giant warehouse bins that are filled with things like tomatoes. And because they've just been waiting so long, they've been rotting, fermenting, and just the gases in there have been causing hinges to blow off. And then you just see like tomato juice, fermented tomato juice spilling out all over the place. It is an absolute mess. So not only are we paying for all this stuff, but we're not getting it. It's being destroyed. Yeah, you wonder why there's empty shelves. We we can't get our act together here, unfortunately. That's a really great point. I was listening to, and, and I want to preface also, I'm not an economist. I'm not an expert on anything. I, this is my opinion based on what I've looked at on YouTube, what I've read, but I try to find the most legit sources that I can and also to counter them with other sources to make sure that there's a common thread that many people are discussing. So, you know, once again, don't take my word as gold. Go do some research yourself. That's why I put that link in the title there. And I'd be happy to, you know, suggest investigative journalists that I'm a fan of. Some are Abby Martin, Lee Camp, Glenn Greenwald, Max Blumenthal. The Jimmy Dore Show is a great resource. He has authors and reporters on all the time, digging deep, usually countering the lamestream narrative. But I also wanted to talk on the supply chain. I was listening to economist Richard Wolf on KPFA 94.1 FM. You can also get that online, kpfa.com. And what he was saying is that the supply chain is all BS. The supply chain collapse is all BS. And that the only reason these ships are sitting in the port is because they're waiting to get the price they want. And this kind of makes sense, right? Because to unload a shipping container, a, a, a ship full of shipping containers, it's one man in a crane. So where is COVID come into play? That guy's not interacting with anybody. He's, a, he's you know, 500 feet up in a massive crane booth unloading these things. And then there's other mobile 
cranes on the ground that move them in and stack them. And then another crane to load them onto a truck. So these are all one man operations. So where is the supply chain collapsing? And then truck drivers, they're in a truck by themselves. So the only thing that would make sense is, oh, well, they can't unload it at the final destination at the store or whatever. What? Really? How? So if you break it down to the minutia, it just it falls apart. Right. But once again, this is from an economist, Richard Wolf. Look him up. He, he's saying it's all corporate greed, you know, because it's the law of supply and demand. If the supply goes down, the price goes up. He's saying and this is manufactured decreasing of supply so that corporations can maximize their prices and maximize their profit. And I see that to be true on a local level. Right. I've got a local grocery store here. Oliver's. They've got three or four stores in this county and they claim, you know, their advertisement is local food for local people, right? And they're a grocery store with a burrito taco shop in there. So all the products that are in their burritos come from their grocery stores, which obviously they're getting a good price on, right? They're not paying what a burrito store, you know, what a restaurant would be paying because they're buying wholesale as a grocery store. And I'm sure that they're using chicken that's about to go bad, pork that's about to go bad, beef that's about to go bad, right? So it's a way of using product before it turns to waste. So very smart business practice. But now at that place, a burrito went from $7.99 to $10.99. So riddle me this, how can you charge $10.99 for a burrito when you're getting all the ingredients at wholesale prices and they still sell a whole chicken for $9.99? So you can get a whole chicken cheaper than you can get an effing burrito? Doesn't make sense. There's way more at work here than supply chain. And um, yeah. oh, I just wanted to talk, I wanted to hint on farmland as well, right? I just did a, I don't know, one minute, three minute, one minute video on, on uh, Instagram the other day while I was at the doctor's. I was looking across the, the highway and there's all this beautiful farmland with a housing development on the left. And you can tell that it's encroaching and that the housing development is going to grow like it has in many areas of this county. And it's going to eat up this beautiful, fertile farmland. Where are we going to get food? We can't always get it from over there, right? The Central Valley of California, their, their wells, their aquifers are going dry. That area is not, and it's been overproducing for way too long, right? Because of greed, once again. California provides something like one-fifth of the world's produce. What could go wrong? How about California producing produce for California? You know, at least at least for the United States, right? You know, we could ship avocados around the country. But every place should have farmland. Every community needs farmland. Otherwise, you open yourselves up to the weak link in the chain. And in this case... It's corporate greed and supply chains or whatever. So, you know, if we're relying on our oranges to come from Brazil, you know, rice to come from China, eventually we're giving those people all of our power. Like, for example, if China wanted to with, a, you know, with one decision, a, a signing order or whatever, however they do it over there, an executive signing order could cease all exports to the United States. How many stores would close down instantly? Walmart, you know, you name it. Like everything here is made in China now. Literally, they could shut us down without even having to, to fire a single shot. And we've set that up by allowing, thanks to Bill Clinton, the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, and other legislations that have outsourced 
our our manufacturing, right? Detroit used to be the gleaming beacon of capitalism worldwide. Now it looks like a third world country, as does parts of Ohio. You know, Flint, Michigan still doesn't have drinkable water. And that was done on purpose, by the way. They, they only saved $200,000 and now they created a problem that's going to cost billions to resolve because they're going to have to replace the piping in a whole city. So what could go wrong? Oh, my God. And where's that money going to come from? Back to farmland. Bill Gates has been buying up farmland at a feverish pace. He's now the single largest owner of U.S. farmland. We know he's a huge advocate for GMOs. And anybody that hasn't really done much research about nutrition, farming, the World Health Organization said the only way to meet the needs of a growing population is sustainable, regenerative, organic farming. So the whole GMO myth, it's BS. The whole commercial agriculture thing is BS. I also watched a documentary called Dirt. Highly suggest that to everybody. What that discusses is that on average, the earth only has four inches of topsoil. All life on earth is based on topsoil topsoil provides us with life, right? Without that, you can't grow anything and there is no life. There's a little bit of life in a desert, but you're not going to see trees and the, the, the diversity of flora and fauna. This is a huge problem. And like I said before, it's, this shouldn't happen overnight. And all these are, things are happening in concert, right? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. If you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm throwing down, please do share with friends and on social media. Until next time, keep on digging for the truth.